You ready? 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 One, two, three, four! Anyway, with the friends, the 
following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly. Uh, We have a lot of action in the Major League Baseball offseason as it is just starting uh, with free agency opening up, I believe, this past week. We have a lot of players who have already found themselves new teams, some who have stayed on current teams. And we also have have awards that have been handed out as well this week. Uh, We will also take a look at the current standings of the NFL and where everybody stands currently uh, in the playoff picture with only, can you, can you believe it, Lou? It's only, there's already only six or seven games left in this NFL season. Yeah. Well, depending on the bye weeks and stuff. So uh, we do have a little bit of time. Well, when you think about it, the NFL has the quickest season, of course, the regular season. 17 weeks goes by pretty quick, especially when we play once a week. 
Yeah, exactly. And it's it's it almost seems like yesterday that we started that we were starting the season with with such a short uh, with such a short preseason, only only yeah. three games in the preseason this year, and now all of a sudden here we are. We're already on what week eleven, I think. I believe it's eleven or twelve. I, th- I think it's week eleven because. The Patriots so far they haven't had any bye weeks and they just uh, they just improved to seven and four this week. So yeah. uh, I believe I believe it is week eleven. It's funny speaking of the Patriots because there has been one guy who has really been generating a lot of a lot of talk around the league, yes. uh, and that is their new franchise quarterback Mac Jones. As it seems like week week by week, uh, that he just it, it's he seems to be gaining more and more uh, momentum, not just on the field but also with the media. As like you said, yeah. you know, potential a potential offensive rookie of the year this year. Uh, obviously, he has to deal. He has to uh, go head to head with Jamar Chase for that uh for that distinction but really it's kind of seems like it's down to those two because i don't really see unless you want to include yeah. Devonte smith maybe in there i don't i don't really i would see rule him out which i i don't i don't know which other rookies uh which other offensive rookies you could really include yeah i would rule him out but uh I do think Mac Jones is going to be the likely candidate for Rookie of the Year. I mean, what what have been your what are your thoughts so far on on his season? Because he started off very poorly with the uh, with the Patriots. You know, the Patriots started off. Uh, well, I shouldn't say he started off, but more like the team as a whole started off yes. very poorly, and. So far, they have all of a sudden rebounded. They now have a seven and four record. Uh, he's he's only the third NFL rookie to win five straight road games in NFL history. Uh, he also, I, I believe, he's also the first rookie to the first rookie quarterback to have at least an eighty percent completion in two consecutive weeks. I think I think yeah. I, I ended up reading. Something like that. Uh, he also. Oh wait a minute! Actually, no. I I mentioned the uh, the previous uh, the previous thing. The third the third rookie to to win to to go five and zero oh in his first five road games of his uh, of his career. The only other two quarterbacks, by the way, to do that were Ben Roethlisberger and Dak Prescott, who both started at six and zero. On the road, but uh, you know, all of a sudden now, I mean, Mac so far so good this season. You know, two, uh, he's been completing seventy percent of his passes, uh, two thousand yes. five hundred and forty yards, uh, fourteen touchdowns, eight picks. Granted, the numbers may look a little low, but he's been mostly doing short passes. With oh, he's had a pretty good mix actually, but most of his passes have been short so, uh, with the run game essentially taking over uh, a majority of the touchdowns. But 
I mean, he's seven and four through eleven games, and he has combined more wins than any of the other rookie quarterbacks in the league right now. I mean, what, what are your what are your thoughts on on uh, his season so far and the way he just he seemingly has been able to turn around the New England Patriots. He has. I mean, you know, I mean, he's no Tom Brady. I mean, we'll give it to you that way. But he is uh, turning the team around after the Patriots have been slumping the last couple of years. So uh, it looks like the Patriots have, have um, found their next great quarterback. I mean, he's really given yeah, them. He's yeah. really have the Patriots, uh, you know, making headway, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I can't really get the comparisons to Tom Brady that uh, some people have been, no, have been making here. Like, like they've been comparing uh, his stats early, uh, early on in his playing career compared to Tom Brady's stats when Brady finally got the chance to play, uh, to yeah. play during the regular season. And, I mean, it's it's so easy to compare rookie stats, but come on, Brady is the greatest of all time. Oh, well, I shouldn't say arguably mm-hmm. he is the greatest quarterback of all time. You know, it's Brady's on a completely different level. Even though, oddly enough, Mac Jones did outperform Tom Brady in their head-to-head matchup this uh, this year. But you know, it's. I just I just don't understand why people are comparing him to Brady when this kid they only played in the eleven games. When the next so person far. comes along, they think they're going to be in the next Brady, uh, next Brady, or you know the next uh, Ben Roethlisberger or whatnot. You know they, they always try to compare when a new quarterback comes in. You know they get impressed with them when they go on the scouting reports, uh, preseason, whatnot, and they and they always seem to compare, but they seem to compare too early. And this game over here right now is a disaster. Okay. So, you know, but I, it's too early to compare in a rookie season. Okay, so he's had a good rookie season. He's played, you know, the first eight, nine games as well. But that's highly comparison, you know, to over a long-lasting career, like, you know, with yeah. uh, Brady Roethlisberger, or even if you want to go even further back that with the with, with uh, uh, Steve Young or Joe Montana. I show my age here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. So you know, it's something. So you have one good season. Okay, so you do. But what are you gonna do after that? Are you gonna be a one season wonder, or are you able to maintain it? Well, here's one. Here's one thing that's kind of interesting because I've read that you know people have compared Alabama often to the New England Patriots because of the fact that Alabama has been able to win year after year after year. And when you kind of think of it, when you kind of think of it, their systems are kind of the same, you know, uh, the the fact that, you know, Alabama is almost considered to be an NFL team in their own right uh, while playing in college. So they can replace Detroit. And and the fact that they run an NFL ready system, and there's a reason why you know many analysts consider many scouts and analysts considered Mac Jones to be the most NFL ready quarterback out of this entire draft class. I mean, we we've seen we've seen some of the decision making that he's made this year, uh, and it kind of makes sense. As to why yes. 
a lot of people looked at Mac Jones as the uh, as uh, the top quarterback in this class because we've seen Justin Fields play. Uh, I I shouldn't say he he's played well, or, or I shouldn't say he's played horribly, but he no, you know he's not he's he hasn't played the way that a lot of people thought he would coming out of uh, coming out of Ohio State. And then you have, and then you have, you know, you have Trevor Lawrence, you got, yeah, you got Zach Wilson. Well, I mean, let's be perfectly honest. Wilson was dealt a bad hand to begin with because uh, he had to join a dysfunctional team like the Jets who apparently can't even, they can't even get their own man. They can't even get their own management, uh, you know, together. Yeah, but and then uh, of course Trey Lance, who has been splitting time with Garoppolo on on occasion. So you know none of the other rookie quarterbacks can really stand to what Mac Jones has been able to do thus far early on in his career. I mean yeah. they may have better they may they may have better stats than him, but overall effectiveness. Jones has brought more to the table than than say Trevor Lawrence down in uh, Jacksonville, or or Justin Fields in Chicago. Right. And actually, looking at the current odds right now for uh, offensive rookie of the year, Jamar Chase is currently the betting favorite, slightly over Mac Jones, uh, plus one hundred to plus one ten. Uh, Najee Harris is the next closest with uh, plus a thousand. Javante Williams with plus three thousand. Kyle Pitts with plus thirty five hundred, along with Trevor Lawrence with the same. Basically, it's basically nice. come down to three names: Jamar Chase, Mac Jones, and Najee Harris. And with with the way that Jones has been progressing, you know, I think next week against uh, against Tennessee is definitely going to be a very big test for Jones to see exactly where he is right now uh, as far as an NFL player. I mean, they were able to beat the Atlanta Falcons, who were close to 500. Uh, but, you know, you they got he's got a big slate of games coming up against the Buffalo Bills, the Tennessee yes. Titans, that – uh, you know, people have argued, or analysts have argued that if if he can get past Tennessee and take at least one from Buffalo, that maybe perhaps uh, that might put him out front as the favorite to win Rookie of the Year. Not just that, but also get the Patriots into a playoff spot. Yeah. But I will say, you know, it it is. Uh, they are benefiting a little bit from the fact that there are now uh, three wild cards instead of two. So, yes. you know, there's a, there's a little more room uh, in the standings for them to be able to potentially uh, make the playoffs. But currently their playoff, uh, their playoff odds are currently at 83%. So it's pretty high. It's looking – 
it's looking pretty good right now. With the the Patriots are currently in the number five seat. They're in the they're in the first uh, the first wild card spot. Uh, so, assuming that they continue they continue uh, at the rate that they're going, you know, the, there's still that argument that the Patriots are were maybe a couple of turnovers away from a couple of turnovers and a missed field goal attempt uh, from being potentially a nine and one team this year. Oh wait, no, not, 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 not nine and one, 10 and one, my bad, 10 and one. Right. Because, and it, yeah, kind, well, it kind of makes sense, you know, yeah. go ahead. Well, like you're saying, the um, Alabama is like an NFL team. Maybe they can replace the Detroit Lions. Oh, yeah, you, you know, it, 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 they're bad. They're bad. It, it, it's it's fun. It's funny when you think of, when you think about that though, because yeah, Alabama they really could. They, I mean, granted, if they had their defense of the past, yeah, you know, they would probably be, uh, they would probably be a threat to take out some of the lower ranked NFL teams. But I mean, considering Arkansas put up thirty five points on them today, which I'm sure nobody saw coming. Uh, no, you know I I fear I even fear for Alabama just against Georgia now yes. at this point. With uh, if Arkansas was able to put up 35 points on Alabama's defense, what the hell is Georgia yeah. going to put up? Yeah, yeah now, how are you going to do that? Gr- now, granted. Uh, Considering all the opponents that Georgia has faced up to this point in this season, drastically different. There's a drastically diff, a drastic difference between the defenses that that Georgia has faced so far and the defense of Alabama. You know, it's going to be for the SEC, uh, the likely SEC title game. It's going to be a completely different. Uh, you know, scenario here uh, when it comes to Alabama against Georgia, but you know, it, it's it's exactly what it's exactly what you uh, what you said that Alabama they are pretty much like a second like an NFL team that's stuck in college. And exactly, you know, it's. I, I, it kind of makes sense now why Nick Saban won't take another NFL job because I mean hell he's making yeah. he's making a shit ton of money uh, to win national titles at Alabama and consider consider the fact how many stars they just crank out of that place year after year oh. you know oh, uh, they they had two or or no they had a. Uh, they had Jalen Hurts as their quarterback at one point before he before he transferred out to Oklahoma. Uh, they had Tua, then you go to Mac Jones, and now you're going to Bryce Young, who Bryce Young five touchdowns today against Arkansas, over 500 yards. You know, you're probably looking at another potential, depending on how on how scouts view him. You know, it's a, there's a possibility you may be looking at another potential franchise quarterback uh, in the NFL 
whenever Bryce Young gets drafted. So, I mean, they just continue to crank out team after team, or I mean, player after player after player. So, you know, it's, it's, I guess I shouldn't say I'm really surprised by how Mac Jones has, has started out this season. I think I'm more surprised at the fact that the Patriots as a whole have uh, seemingly improved drastically from last year, considering they, they did have a historic off-season spending by dishing out, I think it was like $160 million to multiple free agents. And they've already, uh, they've already tied their win total from last season after finishing off, uh, after finishing seven and nine last year with uh, Cam Newton, which by the way, Cam Newton is now the starter for the Carolina Panthers once again. So he will be starting and tomorrow's they see matchup. Can't go home again. Uh. Yeah, you know that that's that's another that's another thing. Uh, shifting over to Cam Newton for for a second here. Newton seemed to make a statement in the little time that he was that he played last week, uh, going or passing and running in a uh, running in two touchdowns. Uh, passing and running. I mean, as he as they continue to open up the playbook for Newton, could we potentially see Cam Newton go back to the Carolina Panther that he used to be? Well, that's a little far fetched. I mean, I know they'll ever be like it, they once were, but Newton isn't as you know as good as he was when he first came in. So I don't know if it's going to be the glory of 2015, but uh, I think maybe he'll make a, you know, he'll make a decent run while he's on the team. I mean, maybe they'll make a, maybe they'll make like a wild card game, but uh, I don't see him making a run for a Super Bowl. No, 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 of course not. Uh, but you know, I think that I think the big thing to look at here is say Cam Newton all of a sudden goes back to playing well with the Carolina Panthers. Do we potentially do we look at how Newton is performing and now all of a sudden say, well maybe it was the fact that he just didn't fit into New England's system? Well, I mean, let's face it, he really didn't. He didn't perform well in New England. You know, he wasn't, you know, Tom Brady or the Gronkinator and of course uh being who the how the um Patriots coaching who he is. He's a perfectionist, and he wants perfection, and didn't give it to him. He just didn't have it, so yeah. naturally, he left. Yeah, and you know, I mean, he had career lows last season in New Oh Orleans. yeah. So, uh, obviously, you know, going back to Carolina, you know, maybe perhaps uh, he can get back to being the player that he once was when he's fully healthy. Because keep in mind, his last season in Carolina, he went oh, and he only played two games before he got sidelined due to injury. And he wasn't really playing all that well, had uh, no touchdowns, and he threw one pick in those games. He didn't even run for any touchdowns either in 
each of those two games. Uh, but his first, or, or I mean his last season in Carolina where he actually, you know, did something, but where he actually played multiple games, uh, he ended up going with 24 touchdowns passing uh, through 13 picks, and he also ran four times as well uh, for a touchdown. So Newton of a couple of years ago would still technically be a, a pretty serviceable quarterback, at least a lot better than Sam Darnold, who I'm surprised, you know, I'm surprised uh, Carolina even got as far as they have so far uh, under Darnold, who of course is probably now gone for the year with his uh, scapula injury. You know, currently the Panthers, they, uh, they do sit in the final wild card spot. So for the NFC, so maybe perhaps uh, as Newton continues to get an increased uh, an increased snap count, you know maybe maybe perhaps we could see uh, we could see the Panthers potentially make a uh, playoff appearance. I mean, when you look at the NFC, the NFC is kind of wide open. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I shouldn't say really wide open considering the top five spots are almost locked essentially. But uh, as far as the second and third wild cards go, you got the five and four saints and you got the five and five Panthers right now in the final two wild card spots with the Vikings and the Niners uh, on the outside looking in and they're not even at 500. So, right. You know that it is. I think it's going to be quite the race for those final two wild card spots out in the NFC. So uh, that oh, should yeah. be something to keep an eye on. Uh, also, to keep an eye on in the NFC uh, or the AFC. Uh, obviously, you have uh, five, six, and seven right now. You got the Patriots, you got the Steelers, and you got the Chargers. The Steelers, man, I'm. I'm telling you, I have a feeling that the fact that they couldn't beat Detroit, something tells me that's yeah. going to come back and bite them in the ass big time when yeah, it comes well, to the final records. Because, I mean, 5-3-1, and one, and you take a look at who is behind them right now, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals uh, are at 5-4. and four. So technically, the Steelers are only ahead of them ahead of them because of uh, win percentage. So, yeah, you got you got the uh, the Bengals at five and four. The Browns are currently at five and five. But assuming that they start to get healthy again, uh, you know, the Browns will probably make some sort of comeback. I mean. You know what? Let's talk about that for a second too. How surprising was it to you, Lou, that even without Nick Chubb or even without Nick Chubb, the Browns got absolutely smoked last week? Without, well, I think without, I think they were going to suffer a bit. I mean, that's that's one of your best players right there. So it didn't surprise me at all. They need players like. Uh, Shot man to, uh, to you know to stay competitive in the division. 
Yeah, and also that's another thing to keep an eye on, too, is Baker Mayfield, he did get injured in uh, last week's matchup against the Patriots. So uh, he is he is scheduled to play this week, uh, and both Chubb and Felton have been taken off of COVID uh, – off of the COVID list. So uh, they will be seemingly fully healthy, but I mean, yeah. Mayfield is, is, is they're going to have to keep an eye on Mayfield and his health because uh, with how he got absolutely shellacked last week by, uh, by the Patriots, uh, uh, by the Patriot, by the Patriots defense, you know, it's, something to be kind of curious about because oh, yeah. uh, he did not, he did not look good at all in the second half uh, right after, right after he got hit. So um, yeah, that, that will be something for, for Cleveland Brown fans to keep an eye on. Uh, but the top four, you know, uh, the Tennessee Titans, even without Derrick Henry, they are getting shit done and they face oh, yeah. another easy matchup. They face an easy matchup this week against the Houston Texans. So uh, they'll be nine and two heading into next week's matchup against the Patriots. Um, and, and not just that, they also don't have a uh, Julio Jones either. Yeah. Another problem. Cause who, cause Julio Jones is on IR uh, and they just lost Bud Dupree as well. He has been put on injured reserve. Uh, one of their one of their pass rushers, but still, they're in right now. They are in the driver's seat in the AFC with an eight and two yeah. record. I mean, I don't I don't know what it is about Mike Vrabel, but he he has got that team prepared in every single aspect. Uh, then you got the Buffalo Bills at six and three. Uh, they face kind of a tough matchup, I guess, against the Colts, which because yeah. you never know, you, you you never know exactly what the Colts are going to do week by week. Um, no, you don't. So that could be a potential upset in the making, depending on depending on what happens. Uh, you've got the Ravens in the third spot at six and three. Uh, they face what should be an easy matchup against the Bears this week because the Bears, they are going to be without uh, two of their top defensive players in Khalil Mack, and they are also going to be without uh, Danny Trevathan. Uh, both of them have been placed on season-ending injured reserve. Uh, Khalil Mack with a foot injury, and Danny Trevathan with a, a knee injury. So, uh, you know, needless to say, it's it should be a pretty easy win for the Baltimore Ravens this week. Yes, it should be. Um, then you have the seemingly surging Kansas City Chiefs. You know, just when just when everybody thought that the Chiefs were down, Kansas City has seemingly come back from the dead. It seems. They still and they're still struggling a bit. Well, they are. Yeah, I mean, their defense can still be can still be pretty exposed, but yeah, 
I mean, they they absolutely smoked last week. You know, putting up uh, putting up forty two points on the uh, Vegas Raiders or forty one points. I'm sorry, forty one points on the Vegas Raiders. You know, so yeah, it's needless to say. Although I think you know a big portion of that might be because uh, teams are now finding it easy to plan to play against. Uh, Darren Waller, you know, the tie, the star tight end for the for the Raiders now that uh Henry Ruggs is no longer on the team. So that has actually made game game planning game planning for uh for teams a little easier. Um but yeah, you know the Can- the Kansas City Chiefs, they they seemingly are back in the thick of things from what it looks like. I think, you know, the main thing that'll probably kill them won't be their offense. It'll be their defense. If their defense uh, can't limit the, uh, the amount of points they, uh, they give up week by week. And then of course right. you got the Patriots, you got the Patriots, you got the Steelers and you got the chargers to round out the AFC. Now, as far as the NFC goes, uh, on the top spot, you've got the Green Bay Packers at 8-2, and two, followed by the Arizona Cardinals, who are also at 8-2. and two. Uh, The Dallas Cowboys, they're at 7-2, and two, but Dallas did take a big hit this week, losing Amari Cooper, as he was placed on, I think, was it the COVID list, or was he... Or is he injured? COVID list. Okay, so he is he vaccinated? Well, oh, actually, that's another uh, that's a, that's no. another thing that we have to talk about. So he will be out for at least two weeks because he's not vaccinated. Yeah. Um, so that's gonna be that's gonna be a big loss for Dallas. Uh, that opens up the door potentially for the Chiefs to take this week's matchup against the Cowboys. We still got Cooper uh, Rush. Got... True. True. Uh, you got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the number four spot who ha- who now have a seemingly pissed off Tom Brady uh, at the quarterback spot. And we all know what happens when you have a pissed off when you have a pissed off Tom Brady behind center, it's never yeah. a good thing for the opposition. I mean, you did you see his uh, did you see his press conference that literally lasted I able only to a minute? Press I mean, it literally it, to... it literally only it literally only lasted a minute because uh, he was he was just so pissed off. Uh, at the fact that they ended up Fly losing maybe. last week against uh, against Washington. The big ego However, problem, as you all know. Well, yeah. But one of the you know one of the big things that he's facing though is he is now going to be without one of his. Well, obviously he's been without his top weapon. Uh, Antonio Brown for the last couple of weeks because of injury. And from what it sounds like, it sounds like it's going to be quite a bit longer because they're saying that he is 
far away from returning to action. However, he might face even more controversy uh, mm-hmm. with the with the story that was reported by the Tampa Bay Times this week. I assume you probably uh, you've probably heard about this, Lou. The COVID nineteen the fake COVID nineteen vaccination card. Yep. Yes. That uh, supposedly supposedly uh Antonio Brown obtained a fake COVID nineteen vaccination card in order to avoid NFL protocols. Yeah. Uh this supposedly was leaked uh by his former personal chef. And Antonio Brown's lawyer has since told uh Ian Rappaport of NFL Network that Antonio Brown is vaccinated. Uh, he said, be like Antonio Brown and get the vaccine. Uh, obviously, you know, this is the, this is the way of him trying to protect his client essentially. Uh, and you know, there are a lot of players or a lot of, uh, personnel within the Tampa Bay Buccaneers organization that are starting to, that are questioning the intent of the personal chef. Uh, who ended up leaking yes. the story by reportedly saying that this is this whole thing is about getting paid, no evidence, and obviously the NFL is going to uh, going to look into this situation. Which, I mean, you know, it it is a pretty big deal if uh, you know Antonio Brown if the if these allegations are true. You know, you got to think that there would be some sort of uh, some sort of hefty punishment. Yeah, I, would... I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, granted, uh, we saw Aaron Rodgers get a slap on the wrist uh, with him Just only slap. receiving a fine. He only received a fine, but. Right. Uh, you know, if we start seeing more and more cases pop up like this, you know, the it, I think the question now becomes how many other players may potentially be using these same practices? Oh, I think it's quite a few. I mean, once this gets all really on the open, I think there's going to be more than, you know, that, uh, that they admitted. And wouldn't you think, Lou, that uh, if this does – indeed proved proved to be true that the NFL would want to make an example at Antonio Brown's uh, expense, you know, to basically show, to basically show people that they're not going to tolerate stuff like this happening. And if they, and if people are caught, then they would likely face the same exact, uh, the same exact consequences. Yeah, they better. Now, according to CNN, and this is uh, their report is being taken directly from from the Tampa Bay Times. So, uh, according to the CNN article, the they say that the Times said that uh, Ruiz, who is the chef uh, Stephen Ruiz, 
is uh, Antonio Brown's former at-home chef in a Tampa Bay or right. in the uh, report. Uh, he said that Brown's that Brown's girlfriend had asked him if he could obtain fake Johnson and Johnson vaccination cards, and that Brown would supposedly pay him five hundred dollars for it. And the Times did show us the Times did show a screenshot of the alleged text exchange from July between uh, Ruiz and Brown's girlfriend, which I've seen the text. The text does look real. Uh, comes straight from an iPhone. It's hard to prove. It is hard to prove, yes, but it, you know, it normally you can tell when a when an iPhone screenshot has been altered, uh, and yeah, and it did look legitimate. It, it didn't look like uh, like you would you would notice inconsistencies uh, in the writing if or in the uh, in the background, you know, if there if it was mm-hmm. altered at all. Uh, And from the looks of it, it didn't look like it was altered. Uh, And and then weeks after Ruiz had told Brown's girlfriend that he was unable to obtain fake COVID-19 cards, Ruiz told the Times that Brown had showed him already uh, that uh, that Brown had showed him already obtained fake vaccination cards. So he had already obtained them even after even after saying that he would pay he would pay this guy to get him for him. Right. So now, uh according to the Times, Ruiz claims that Brown owes him ten thousand dollars and only spoke to the paper after they were unable to come to a settlement. Uh obviously Brown's attorney has stated that uh that Brown is indeed vaccinated. Now obviously as yeah. As many people think, this is probably a cover-up. Um, the Buccaneers, they also released a statement uh, this past Thursday uh, regarding the Tampa Bay Times report, but did not mention Brown by name, uh, saying, after an extensive educational process conducted throughout our organization this past off-season, highlighting the benefits of, of the COVID-19 vaccines, we received completed vaccination cards from all Tampa Bay Buccaneers players and submitted the required information to the NFL through the established process in accordance with league policy. All vaccination cards were reviewed by Buccaneers personnel and no irregularities were observed. So somebody's lying. Either the team is covering for Antonio Brown or – Ruiz is trying to get is trying to get some sort of payday. Maybe, maybe Antonio Brown stiffed him uh, on one of his paychecks or something when he when he was his personal chef at one point. I don't know. Yes. Uh, and you would think that nobody would even attempt to do this because uh, any attempt by team personnel or players to use a forged or fake card would be reviewed under the personal conduct policy. And in addition, it is also a federal criminal offense to use a fake or forged vaccination card. That's true. So if anything, he could potentially... I think if one does it, they're all probably going to do it. So I'm not surprised that. I'm just surprised that it hasn't caught on. 
Well, you, you know, that, that, that leads me back to what I had mentioned earlier. How many people are doing this? If, if uh, you know, if there's speculation that one player is doing this, mm-hmm. you know, how many other players might be doing the same thing? I mean, for all I'm we sure know, it's we know, for all we know, Aaron Rodgers could have potentially been doing the same thing. I wouldn't be surprised by that. Yeah, no, you know, I was trying to get after a Rodgers rate, though. You know, that's the thing there. Oh. Especially considering all of the, all of the other uh, stuff surrounding that whole, that whole thing. You know, it would not yeah. shock me at all if that's originally what happened, uh, you know, with uh, with Aaron Rodgers behind the scenes. Uh, going real quick over to college football, uh, we talked about Jimmy Lake last week. Uh, according to the Associated Press, uh, he has officially been fired by the Washington Huskies after last uh, after less than two seasons. And obviously, uh, this happened after former after a former wide receiver for Washington, Quentin Pounds, came forward and shared that Lake had shoved him during the halftime of a game against Arizona back in 2019. And even though Lake denied the allegations, uh, pretty much the university moved on from, moved on from him and uh, they will be buying out the remainder of his deal in this situation. So, I mean, it's, it seemed like this was only a matter of time, Lou, that it was that this would happen because I you know, as as a university, how far how far can you go before you know, you start getting negative uh negative press about something like yeah, this. Yeah, not long. Not long at all. No. It's yeah, yeah, it's definitely uh they were right to nip to nip it in the bud as soon as they could. Now, uh we do have some finals uh from earlier today. Uh Georgia, they spanked Charleston Southern as if that wasn't really much of a shock, fifty six to seven. Uh Alabama with a uh very well fought forty two to thirty five victory over Arkansas. Uh, They've been getting way too many points on defense this year. What's that? They've been getting a lot of points on defense this year. Not Alabama, that is. That, yeah, they have been. It's uh, you know, it, clearly the same offensive system is in place, but the yes. defense, on the other hand, the defense, it's not what it used to be. No. And, you know, just like I mentioned earlier, if Arkansas is able to put up 35 points on Alabama's defense, what the hell is Georgia going to be able to put up? Yeah. I mean, as uh, as our producer Jim brought up on his uh, Twitter account earlier today, uh, that yeah, I think it, I think it's abundantly clear now as to why 
uh, Alabama is ranked second compared to yeah. compared to uh, Georgia. Thanks, Jim. I mean, I mean, you shouldn't, you know, you you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be looking at all the or at all these points getting put up uh getting put up on the no. board. You know, if you're if you're supposed to be an elite team like Alabama, you should normally in previous years they would absolutely shut down Arkansas. You know, this would be like a like almost a cakewalk essentially in previous years. Yes. But now well, Alabama uh, with but now with Arkansas, with Arkansas improving under Sam Pittman, uh, you know this. They re- they really took it to Alabama. Uh, the only thing that really put Alabama over today was a touchdown. That and I, I say the word touchdown loosely. Uh, by Williams, it. You know there were some there were some. Uh, some angles that it was clear as day that it wasn't a touchdown, but they still marked it as a touchdown anyways because they were in Tuscaloosa. So right. they ended up getting uh, they ended up getting that home cooking from the officials. <laughs> Otherwise, it would have been a tie game and going into overtime more than likely. And also, not to mention, not to mention that uh, that touchdown would have been overturned. If that had been overturned, they would have been forced to punt it because they were far. They were they weren't even in field goal range. And uh, Michigan State's hope at potentially going into the college football playoff appears to have been dashed uh, thanks to a fifty-six to seven thrashing. I I was too. I was expecting a much closer game, but Ohio State just absolutely smoked them today. So you won't be looking at Michigan State uh, anytime soon, potentially making it into the college football playoff. Uh, Cincinnati and Michigan, though they still stayed alive. Uh, Cincinnati with a forty-eight to fourteen victory over SMU, uh, while Michigan had a fifty-nine to eighteen victory over Maryland today. Uh, Notre Dame with a uh, fifty-five to nothing shutout over Georgia Tech. Wake Forest, though, got upset by Clemson, forty-eight to twenty-seven. Uh, I guess finally yeah. that Clemson that Clemson offense finally woke up at the wrong time, uh, put up 48 points on Wake Forest. Uh, Baylor they uh, they triumphed over Kansas State 20 to 10. Oklahoma with a 28-21 victory over Iowa State. Uh, Wisconsin 35-28 over Nebraska. Texas A&M, 52-3 over Prairie View A&M. Not really a game at all. Uh, NC State, 41-17 over Syracuse. Pittsburgh, 48-38 over Virginia. Iowa, 33-23 over Illinois. Uh, BYU, 34-17 over Georgia Southern. And... 
Oh, here's another one. Uh, Dan Mullen's uh, Dan Mullen's slide continues in Florida, twenty-four to twenty-three Missouri in overtime. And if you think that slide is bad, uh, take a look at Steve Sarkeesian in Texas, thirty-one to twenty-three over the Texas Longhorns for West Virginia. I mean. How embarrassing is it to go from being probably one of the one of the more uh, how should I how should I put it from being one of the tougher wait no am I thinking I'm, I must be thinking of a different Sarkeesian mm. which 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 Sarkeesian am I thinking of isn't isn't there a Sarkeesian who's like a defensive coordinator? Yeah, I think there is. I can't remember his first name, but I think there is another one with that same name. I'm trying to I'm trying to think because uh Sarkeesian he had been he had been an offensive coordinator for two years for the Atlanta Falcons, but now all of a sudden you know he's uh, he's gone to college. He he was the uh, he was a coordinator, I believe, for one year for Alabama too. Last year uh, for Alabama, he was the offensive coordinator and he was also the quarterbacks coach at one point. Um, wait a minute, I gotta I gotta look this up because maybe it's hmm, maybe maybe it's with the Kansas City Kansas City Chiefs. Hang on. Kansas City Chiefs. Oh no, you know what? I'm thinking of Spagnuolo. Never mind. Yeah, I'm thinking of Spagnuolo. That's right. who, that's who the uh, that's who the defensive uh, yeah that's who the defensive coordinator, um, who's given certain teams uh, some problems in the NFL. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah, I thought there was something going on with that. Oh, well, uh, this is interesting. So the number four spot may be opened up for Cincinnati here with Oregon being absolutely slaughtered by Utah 28-7 yeah. to seven right now. But the thing is that, you know, when you, when you look at um, the bowl playoff standings, you know, there's a lot of controversy with that. Well, of course, there's controversy with this. Uh, saying that Cincinnati isn't good enough to be, you know, like in the, in the running, even in the on the outside looking in. I mean, I know they're in a weak conference, you know, the ACK, but um, you know, a lot of people, the um, writers, the polls, they're, you know, not all really agree with it. They think that, you know, that they play against, uh, you know, soft teams and don't quite measure up, you know, with the rest of the major conferences. Yeah, you know, I I don't really know what to think about that because uh-huh. I mean, I can understand I can understand uh Ohio State being in the top 4. Sure. But Michigan, you know, I don't understand why Oregon made it over Michigan or not Michigan over uh Well, actually no, I could kind of put Michigan in there, but uh I don't know I don't know how Oregon made it over Cincinnati or Michigan. Pac-12, that's all I can tell you. Pac-12 is a stronger conference. 
you know, it just it just kind of confuses me with, uh, you know, with how poorly Oregon has played in some of the games this year, but yet they've somehow won. You know, they they've gotten out to a nine and one record. Uh, obviously, you know, there's about four minutes to go in the third quarter in this game. Oh, and it's now thirty-five to seven, Utah. So uh, down by four scores. I mean. It's not impossible, but Oregon's going to have to get to work right away in order for them to potentially yeah. come back. And even if they do come back, I don't know if they hang on to that number three spot. Considering no. the fact that Utah has just lit them up. But anyways, you know, obviously we'll see uh, what the rankings look like. Tuesday after this uh on yeah on Tuesday yeah right before uh right before the Thanksgiving uh the Thanksgiving uh break which by the way that's another thing too uh the Thanksgiving games this week uh you know as far as games as far as games gridiron goes I mean probably the uh the spreads will probably still be released at around the same time uh on Tuesday so yeah. I'll get those out to you quickly uh, in case you want to pick any of the Thursday games, uh, but we do have we do have three Thursday games this week. We got the Bears and the Lions. Yeah. We have the uh, Raiders and the Cowboys, and we have the Bills and the Saints. So, uh, I guess you could say not that bad of a Thanksgiving uh, slate. No. But, um. Depending on depending on what happens with the Saints this well, let's see. Are the Saints even playing this week? Because uh, Philadelphia. Oh, okay. That should be that should be no problem for the Saints then. <laughs> Philadelphia should be no problem for them. So it'll be pretty much. I would assume the Bills are going to win this week. So seven and three against. Against six and four, so that's looking like a pretty good matchup. Uh, you know, I'm very surprised that the Patriots Titans game didn't get flexed for next week, and it's still at one at yeah. one o'clock on Sunday. I mean, what, what didn't you th- what didn't you think with uh, with how the two teams have been surging recently that they would go uh, they would try and get it into one of the prime time spots? Yeah, I would, but you know, you got you got Dallas and Saints, and that's well, probably a, a bigger game in the, in, the, in the standings. So, I think they, um, you know, went with that. That's because I think it's a little bit more of a bigger draw. But I mean, even even if they were to move it to like four o'clock or something, I mean, you got for the four o'clock games next week. You got the Chargers and Broncos. Rams and Packers, I mean, yeah, you're not moving that game. Uh, but the Vikings and the Niners. And then, okay, maybe, well, you know, Sunday night football, I mean, Browns and Ravens. Yeah. I guess I guess that makes sense why they wouldn't move that matchup, considering I believe it is a divisional matchup. Mm-hmm. But Monday Night Football though looks horrible next week. Uh, Seahawks at the uh, at the football team. 
Yeah, that, 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 that's crummy. I mean, yeah, that that just, that just looks like a horrible, a horrible uh, slate to have for, well, uh, for Monday Night Football. Us, so we have to look at that. We have to look like that. Yeah. That's the bad. That's the bad yeah, thing about it. I mean, but I'll, t- I'll tell control, you though, you know what? I mean, once you know when the schedule comes out and we're like two thirds of the way over, we can't control what the schedule is. I mean, you know, nobody looked at. Well, when the time they get this game in the uh, 12-week Monday Night Football, it's going to be a sucky game. But it's too late to change it. Yeah. Yeah. We got two teams yeah, that that's true. Uh, three and uh, three and nine, but we're talking about this game anyway. But I was going to give a cat's ass. So, uh, but you know, it's because they didn't know how bad they were going to be at the time they're going to have the game on you know Monday Night Football. But that's just the, that's another, the, the risk you take. And another thing to keep in mind, too, is the fact that Russell Wilson, you know, nobody expected him to be injured, which, you know, no. that begs the question. That begs the question. Uh, do you think the Seahawks brought back Russell Wilson too soon? Oh, absolutely. Because you saw, no, you saw how it. poorly he – you saw how poorly he played last week. Oh yeah, Way I too mean, that, that's literally the first time in Russell Wilson's career that he has ever been shut out by a team. Mm-hmm. The first time ever that that has ever happened, and you know, I was I was just looking at that. I you know, uh, first off, it it was seven to nothing for what seemed like forever. And I'm just looking. Right. I'm looking at that matchup, and I'm like, "How the hell is this such a low-scoring game right now? You know, why are we looking at, uh, you know, Seattle not even not being able to score with an elite quarterback, uh, you know, behind center? It just didn't make any sense whatsoever. No. And the fact, uh, you know, DK Metcalf only had three catches for 26 yards that entire game, and Lockett didn't have any better. Two catches for 23 yards. I mean, those are his two top receivers. And actually, no, the top receiver for the game was Gerald Everett, who caught all eight of his uh, targets for 63 yards. Right and and still, still they weren't able to get any points on the board. It's just it's just like what what the hell is going on here to have Seattle get shut out like they did. I don't know. I can't I can't wrap my head around it. Yeah, something's not worth doing, so. But uh, we do have uh, some news around the league. Uh, the Bears, they did sign uh, former Seattle Seahawks Bruce Irvin uh, to a deal for the rest of the year because of Khalil Mack being out and now Danny Trevathan out for the year. Uh, Bruce Irvin is being brought in for uh, basically depth. And basically, the most he'll be used is is to be a situational pass rusher because let's face it, 
34 years old, and he only played two games last year, and it's taken him this long to get on to get uh, latched onto a team. Clear as day, he's got nothing left, essentially, if he even has anything left. Uh, bad news for the Seahawks. Chris Carson, their star running back, will reportedly undergo season-ending neck surgery. Uh, yes. As Pete Carroll said that uh, Carson is having the surgery now so that he will be able to come back and play next season uh, as he will be on the final year of his deal. And there is a void in his deal between now and then, uh, but both Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll will likely lobby the organization to keep, uh, to keep Carson around. Uh, this season he totaled 54 carries through four games, averaging 13.5 rushes and one-and-a-half targets per outing before suffering uh, the injury. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, also uh, Bud Dupree has been placed on injured reserve uh, for the Titans with an abdomen injury. Uh, so he will be out for at least three weeks. He will be eligible to return in week 15, though, for their matchup against the Niners. Uh, the Ravens, they've released Le'Veon Bell after the former uh, Pittsburgh Steeler averaged a miserable 2.7 yards per attempt on 31 rushing attempts as part of uh, Baltimore's committee of washed-up running backs. Uh, it's clear at this point that Le'Veon Bell's days as a lead running back are done. Um, yes. So now so now Devontae Freeman and Latavius Murray will likely split backfield duties for the remainder of the season while Lamar Jackson operates as the team's first running back which is kind of funny when you consider he's a quarterback. Um, I mean, how, how bad is it that th- this just shows how far uh, Le'Veon Bell has fallen ever since he decided to take that entire year off from the Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers because the Steelers wouldn't Stubborn give him lot. that contract extension. I mean, don't you don't you think, Lou, that maybe if he had decided to play that year instead of sitting out, that maybe he wouldn't have gotten so out of shape, and perhaps, uh, right. you know, he would still be the same player that he always was. Yes. I mean, twenty nine years old. You know, this isn't really the time where a running back should be. Uh, on the rapid decline like he is. No, it shouldn't. Uh, it's just, it's mind-boggling to see that, uh, you know, at one time one of the one of the elite running backs in the league is now essentially possibly done in the NFL. Uh, we did have a scary situation uh, in New England last week when it comes to Browns cornerback uh, Troy Hill. He ended up having to be carted off of the field. Well, I shouldn't say carted. He actually was taken off on a stretcher. They couldn't uh, – apparently yeah. they couldn't put him onto the cart, and he had to be loaded onto a stretcher uh, 
with a neck injury as he ended up going down while attempting to tackle Jacoby Myers, uh, who ultimately shed the tackle en route to his first career touchdown. Can you believe that Jacoby Myers actually has the record for the most yards to have, uh, or the most, uh, the most yards and also the most catches uh, without without having uh, their first career touchdown. He, uh, he now no, has I the can't. record. Go figure. I think he he had like over I think it was over a hundred catches and he had over one thousand five hundred receiving yards before he finally got his first touchdown grab. And uh, it, it was weird too how he attempted to tackle Myers because he went head he went helmet first uh, into Myers' sternum, and for some reason, I guess you know he must have suffered the neck injury while try, while attempting that tackle, and he basically fell yes. to the ground like a bag of bricks after Myers. Uh, after Myers ended up shedding the tackle, uh, he was because he was down on the ground for quite some time. Um, and prior to prior to the injury, he had two sacks and four tackles for loss this year. Uh, the good news is though that he was showing movement in his extremities. So uh, hopefully it good. was. Hopefully it was just a concussion or something, as opposed to uh, something much, as opposed to something much worse. Uh, the Denver Bronc. Yeah, there's not much worse than a concussion, but you know it's better to have a concussion than to have a neck injury, depending on yeah. on what the injury is. Uh, this has gone final now. Uh, South Carolina has toppled Auburn 21-17. to 17. As down go the, uh, down go the, the uh, field goal posts. Oh, dear. Um, Running a muck, huh? Well, not yet, but it's, it Give could it be going that route. It could be going that route. Um, Give it 30 seconds. All right. So, yeah. Uh, some uh, some signings to report. The uh, Broncos, they did sign Tim Patrick to a three-year, $34.5 million extension through the 2024 season. Uh, it's, re- it's worth up to $34.5 million. So the real number is likely mm. lower than that. Uh, $18.5 million, though, is guaranteed out of the deal. Uh, a nice payday for a player who entered the league as an undrafted free agent, and he was playing this year on a second-round tender. Um, and it's actually interesting, too, considering the fact that Cortland Sutton, their number one receiver, is supposed to be a free agent following the season. Uh, so it is possible that they may want to keep the receiver room together, but maybe perhaps this deal could could also hint that Sutton will be allowed to test the market next spring. Mm. Because when you think about it, Lou, this is technically starters' money getting right. paid here. 
So, you know, it, I guess it, it is entirely possible that maybe the Broncos might be uh, might be moving forward here with Tim Patrick instead instead of uh, Cortland Sutton, which, I mean, if Cortland Sutton ends up leaving Denver, that would be a nice pickup for whoever, uh, whoever ends up uh, grabbing him off the market. Yes. Uh, the Eagles, they made a couple of sign, a couple of extensions this week. First, they, uh, they signed cornerback Avante Maddox to a three-year $22.5 million extension. Uh, after being in the final year of his rookie deal, uh, he lands $13.3 million of it guaranteed. Um, he's having a breakout year this year, posting 45 tackles, uh, one pick, and two forced fumbles while allowing just 33 catches. Uh, this will keep him in Philly through his age 28 season. And they signed Dallas Goddard, their lead tight end, to a four-year $59 million contract extension with $35 million of it guaranteed. Uh, it makes him one of the three highest-paid tight ends in the league, uh, as he has now taken on a full-time role in the run-heavy Philly offense ever since the team dealt Zach Ertz to Arizona back in October. Uh, before a concussion cut short his Week 10 playing time, uh during weeks seven through nine of this season, his pass routes have spiked, and he led the Eagles with a 29% target share. So now, uh, with this contract extension, he is officially in the books through the 2025 season. And before I forget about it, we should probably talk about this piece of shit, I guess. Uh, ex-NFL player and former L.A. Ram Zach Stacy was arrested in Florida and is currently in jail after he savagely beat his ex-girlfriend in front of their five-month-old son, according to TMZ Sports. Uh, He repeatedly punched uh, his ex-girlfriend, the mother of his baby boy, in the head multiple times before picking her up and throwing her into a television, all while she begged him to stop, and the baby cried. Uh, this, uh, this is all on video uh, on TMZ.com. Uh, when he finally stopped attacking, he fled the scene. Uh, his ex-girlfriend called 911, and cops say they arrived in under two minutes, but the running back was long gone. Uh, on Thursday, officials announced that they charged Stacy with two felonies, aggravated assault and criminal mischief. Authorities had believed that Stacy had left Florida where the incident had occurred uh, last Saturday afternoon. Still, they were concerned enough about Evans' safety to move her to an undisclosed location. Uh, he is currently in Orange County Jail, uh, Orlando PD is listed as the arresting agency, according to jail records. And if convicted, uh, Zach Stacy could face over 15 years in prison. And apparently he, apparently he fled Florida uh, to Tennessee. And he basically flew back Steve, to Florida from Nashville. Steve, I'll be right back. It's Nashville. an emergency call. I'll be right back. Okay. Okay. Well, he uh, he apparently fled uh, from from Florida to Tennessee, 
in order to uh, probably evade police, I guess. Uh, but while we're wait while we're waiting on Lou to come back here, I just I gotta bring up the WWE releases uh, that just took place this week. As I just don't I don't know what the hell they're doing right now, but there's just when we thought that there were other, you know, that maybe perhaps the uh, the releases were to end, they end up releasing a whole bunch of names this week, including all of the rest of Hit Row, who were just called up to the main roster, uh, that being Top Dalla, uh, Ashante Adonis, and uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott. Uh, Tegan Knox was also released, as well as Drake Maverick. Uh, Shane Thorne, Jackson Riker, and also WWE veteran John Morrison was also released. Uh, although that one kind of makes sense because they did just release his wife a couple of weeks ago. So that one probably makes sense. But uh, it is odd, though, that he is being let go considering he was involved in plenty of storylines on television with the, with his former tag team partner, The Miz. Uh, and he was always over with the crowd. So, you know, he's never, you know, he's never really had a popularity problem. So I guess the the big question I'm wondering is why the hell WWE is even letting, you know, getting rid of, of, of people like him, which they, uh, they cited reportedly budget cuts being the reason why uh, this, crop of eight uh, wrestlers were released this time. Uh, It's been the same, you know, the same excuse over the past couple of weeks or over the past, uh, I don't know, 80 wrestlers that they've released this year uh, has all been about budget cuts. And it further brings out the possibility that maybe perhaps Vince McMahon is going to sell the company because, like I've stated on this show previously. Okay, I'm back, Steve. All right, Lou. Uh, welcome back. You know, I'm uh, I've, I, I'm talking right now about the uh, the releases that took place uh, in the WWE this week, and you know, Lou, if you're if you're a company, a multi-million yes. dollar company, or maybe I'm sorry, yes. a billion dollar company and you're citing budget cuts as the reason for why you're releasing uh, these wrestlers that you looked Mm. out into the, into the open market to try and acquire. Doesn't that just scream? I I, I know we've talked about this previously on the show, but it just seems like more, more and more that this keeps coming up. It basically screams to me that Vince is is going to be eventually selling the company. Because I mean, how can surprised. you be? How can how can you report record or record earnings from this past quarter? Yeah. And yet you release talent saying it's due to budget cuts. 
Yeah, something doesn't seem doesn't sound right here. That's a lie right there. And it's not just you know it's not just that you know some of these stars were just recently called up from NXT, their third brand, uh, to the SmackDown brand. Uh, this group yeah. of three, well, originally it was a group of four called Hit Row, but uh, their fourth member was released. Uh, before they even had a chance to appear on television, then once the, now that they've finally appeared on television, yeah. uh, you know they all of a sudden have now been released mm-hmm. from the company. Uh, one of the other stars, uh, Tegan Knox, uh, who was moved to yeah. SmackDown with uh, with her tag team partner Shotzi uh, Shotzi Blackheart, who is both of them were very popular with the crowd. Uh, they ended up getting split up in the uh, WWE draft that took place. And now all of a sudden, you know, WWE is just randomly deciding, okay, you go, you go, you go, you go. And uh, we're, yeah, we can't afford you guys because it's budget cuts. Hell, they even released one of their, they even released one of their veterans. Uh, in John Morrison, who Survivor fans will know him from uh, from Survivor uh, uh, David versus Goliath uh, that right. season, where he appeared uh, under his uh, real life name of I mean his real name is John, uh, but it's John Hennigan instead of uh, John Morrison. But uh, yeah. you know Survivor fans will know him as John from uh, from Survivor David versus Goliath. Uh, WWE fans will know him mainly as John Morrison, but if you if you've seen Tough Enough, uh, you know he was on the show as John Hennigan. Then when he originally came into the WWE, he became Johnny Nitro. Then he switched his name to John Morrison, right. and you know I mean clearly from the from the uh, the list of people who were released this time. Uh, he's clearly the most accomplished wrestler out of all of them. And I am just astounded right now that uh, this now makes it over 80 people that have been released by the WWE this year, and it's due to budget cuts, 80 80 of them. Yes, 80 people, 80 wrestlers from whether whether it was the main roster or if it was development. 80 people have been have been let go this year. Already. So, needless to say, needless to say it is very puzzling right now and it it's just yeah, leading me even further. It's just leading me even further to believe that they're going to sell. Yeah. Okay. Because I don't see I don't see why they would, uh, you know, why they would do this and still, when yet, you know, when yet they're making record profits, supposedly, this past quarter. Yeah, so just the makes, whole thing on them making budget cuts while they're at record, record levels, uh, that's beyond me. I, yeah, it make makes any, no sense, make sense at all. No. No, not, well, none whatsoever. Well, obviously he's trying to cover up something. Yes. And it kind of makes me wonder. It kind of makes me wonder if they're going to if they're going to sell the company at some point. 
Do they have any in mind they want to sell it to, or no? Well, there are a couple of suitors. Uh, there is Disney, um, which I fear I fear what would happen to the company if they sold them to Disney. Uh there's NBC. Yeah. There's NBC Universal. Uh, NBC right. Universal, who currently, who currently holds the rights to Monday Night Raw on the USA Network. That would make sense. Uh, especially with them on the Peacock Network too. You know, yeah. it would make that sense. Would make a lot of sense. Because I mean, if they were bought by Disney, you know. Obviously, Disney would probably want them for Disney Plus as well, so that would be a yes. conflict of interest. You know, Disney owning them, but yet NBC Universal owns the rights to the uh, to the network. It bloody it's a murder, conflict bloody of interest. murder. Uh, also, Fox, who owns uh, the rights to Friday Night SmackDown, they are in the uh, among the list of suitors as well. So yeah. there's. You know, there there are some pretty big name networks that are uh, in talks for a potential. If there was going to be a potential sale. Mm. Speaking of sales, the Pittsburgh Penguins are about yes. to be sold to uh, to the Fenway Sports Group, which basically means Red Sox fans. Prepared to prepared to go from number two down to number three on the list of priorities for owner John Henry. Uh, because he already values Liverpool over you guys to begin with. So once he adds Pittsburgh, get ready to become yeah. the number three option. Become get ready to become the number three priority on his list. Because he's going to give more of a shit about Pittsburgh before he'll give a shit about Boston. Right. And it's kind of funny, too, considering Boston is really the acquisition that that pretty much brought him up to the level that he's at right now. With all the accomplishments that he was able to do as the owner of the Boston Red Sox. So... It is kind of a slap in the face when you th- when you think, think about so. it. The fact that I mean Liverpool they won uh they won their their league championship in either their first or second year I think under uh under John Henry as owner. But it it just pisses me off uh to no end that you know, obviously he's going to prioritize Pittsburgh now over over Boston, and it kind of makes me wonder too if we may see a lack of uh, of moves made by Boston this year, this off season because of it. Yeah, I mean he is in the middle of buying the Pittsburgh Penguins, but yet you mean to tell me that he couldn't agree to terms with with Eduardo Rodriguez? Yeah, he couldn't give he couldn't give Eduardo Rodriguez the money that he was looking for. Which, give me a second here. Um, I will dig up the uh, the note sheet that I have from last week that uh, has the total 
or maybe it wasn't last week. Maybe it is this week. Yeah, okay, yeah. Five years, $77 million with the Detroit Tigers for Eduardo Rodriguez. You mean to tell me you're buying the Pittsburgh Penguins, but yet you can't give one of your starters five years and $77 million? Yeah. What's wrong with this picture? The deal also includes a no-trade clause and reportedly could max out at $80 million for Rodriguez. All is not that bad for the Red Sox, though. They will receive a compensatory draft pick, which will probably be either a second or a – or I don't know. I think the compensatory round is the third round, I think. So uh, okay. they'll receive a compensatory draft pick for – for losing Rodriguez to the uh, Detroit Tigers, but come on, really, you're going to you're going to lose Eduardo Rodriguez to the Detroit Tigers, you know. I and I'm telling you, Detroit, they seem to be favored for Carlos Correa too. You know, I ha- I have a feeling uh, Detroit they may be making some moves this off season. No, after finishing as perhaps one of the worst teams in the league last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one former Detroit Tiger, actually, Lou, almost became a New York Yankee a couple of days ago. And, almost uh, became one, before, yes. Yes, before, uh, before Justin Verlander agreed to return to the Astros on a two-year $50 million deal, uh, the Yankees reportedly offered Verlander a one-year deal worth at 25 mil, but they were not willing to go for a second season. And that was the big difference between going, uh, you know, between the Yankees getting Verlander and Verlander going back to the Astros. And. Speaking of the Yankees, uh, there's kind of a bit of a surprise uh, here this past week. The Yankees, they designated Clint Frazier, Ronette O'Dor, and Tyler Wade oh, yeah. all for assignment. And this is, this is so that they could create – it's so that they could create roster space to protect prospects like Edward, uh, Oswaldo Cabrera, Ron Marinaccio, uh, Everson Pereira, Stephen Riddings, and J.P. Sears uh, from being selected in the Rule 5 draft. But, you know, it's this just it's so funny when I think about it now because the Yankees, they had the opportunity to go after some big names in the trade market. However, right. they were unwilling. They were unwilling to give up Clint Frazier in all of these uh, in all of these talks. They were unwilling to give up Clint Frazier, and now they're basically, uh, you know, they they've basically decided now that hey, we can't even have him on the team. I mean, you know, just just how 
how frustrating must it, must this be, Lou, as a Yankee fan? Uh, that yeah, is. you know you have prob you had probably one of the top uh, one of the top trade chips in you know uh, in Major League Baseball this year, and you just decided not to do anything with, with Frazier and just keep Clint Frazier. And essentially, and essentially you're, you're now just basically releasing him. I mean, you know, this, this could really come back and bite the Yankees in the ass big time. When you think about it, the fact that I mean, just just the just the fact that they could uh, they could have included this guy in so many different trade proposals, and all the trade proposals that you may have heard for. you know that you may have heard uh, the Yankees involved in this year, but they didn't get certain proposals done, and it was it was always because Frazier had to be included in the talks, and that was basically a deal breaker for the Yankees. And now you look at him basically getting released, and. You just you just think of of who the Yankees could have potentially had had they just decided to cut lo- to cut him loose and trade him. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's very confusing, and I would assume very frustrating in your case. In in your case, being a Yankee fan, it would be, I would assume, very frustrating. Uh, oh, it is. The, it is to see the team basically let a a huge uh trade chip leave like this right even though he wouldn't didn't really have a lot of you know success with the Yankees despite you know a five year run you know but he wasn't really yeah you know, no didn't really have a lot of success no he didn't have a lot of success but at the same time you know, he was always looked at as a potential big piece to this huge deal that the Yankees right. uh, could potentially get done. So the fact that they weren't able to get a deal done because they didn't want to get rid of Frazier, and now all of a sudden, they, you know, all of a sudden now they're just deciding to flat out release him, I mean, it's. It, I'm, yeah. I I just shake my head. I just shake my head because I. I don't know what the hell they're thinking in this scenario here. I mean, they had to know that they would probably receive a whole bunch of backlash from fans oh, as a result of this. Yeah, I would assume there's definitely going to be. All right, uh let's see here some other 
Some other bits of news. Uh, first off, uh, Julio Lugo, unfortunately, uh, passed away earlier this week at the age of 45. Uh, he passed away due to a heart attack. Um, he was actually due to turn 46 on Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday would have been his 46th birthday. Uh, he had a 12-year career in the majors uh, while making stops with seven different teams, including uh, being a member of the 2007 World Series champion Boston Red Sox. Uh, in the first year of a three-year deal, I think he was with Boston at that time. Um, yeah. He he did spend his time, though, with the Houston Astros, the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, uh, the L.A. Dodgers, Boston, of course. Uh, then he had separate stints with uh, the St. Louis Cardinals, Baltimore Orioles, and Atlanta Braves before he officially retired uh, at the end of the 2011 season. Uh, for his career, he batted 269 uh, with 80 homers and 475 runs batted in, but he was mainly he was more known for his defensive abilities uh, as opposed to his offense. Uh, the Yankees, they announced the hiring of former Mets manager Luis Rojas as their third base coach. Uh, he had been in the Mets organization for the past 16 years, most recently serving as their manager uh, for the past two seasons. Uh, also, inclu- uh, as far as the Mets go, uh, they have reportedly offered their general manager job to Billy Epler. Uh, momentum had been uh, had appeared to be swinging toward Epler, and it looks like it looks like that they have finally filled. Uh, their front office void. Yes. But no, it won't make them a winning team, but you know, at least it'll be, it'll be a start to have a stable front office. Uh, He was previously the angels general manager from 2015 to 2020 and before that, he had a long tenure in the Yankees uh, scouting department as well as their front office. And actually, considering he was he was uh, in L.A. from 2015 to 2020, that means that he brought Shohei Otani out to L.A. So you know who knows? Maybe uh, maybe in this new. Uh, in this new job with the Mets, maybe perhaps he could turn around the Mets organization. Although that's, you know, easier said than done. No. Easier said than done, but, you know, who knows. Uh, It doesn't help, though, that they did lose Noah Syndergaard this this week to the L.A. Angels on a one-year $21 million contract. Uh after he rejected the Mets one year eighteen point four million dollar qualifying offer. Um it says here that uh they'll give up a second round pick and international bonus money in order to sign Cindergard here in this uh in this deal. Uh though if he is it's basically a high risk, high reward deal for the Angels. Because if he can get a full healthy season this year 
uh, you know, he could be that he could be that front of the rotation pitcher that the Angels have been looking for for some time here. Mm-hmm. And speaking of the Angels, uh, Shohei Otani was named the American League Most Valuable Player uh, in a unanimous vote. He received he received all thirty uh, first place votes. Yep. Uh, Vladimir Guerre- Vlad Guerrero Jr. He finished second Vlad with twenty nine second place votes. Uh, the other second place vote went to Salvador Perez who finished outside the top five despite the designation. Uh, Marcus Simeon came in third, while Aaron Judge finished in fourth. Uh, Otani did have a historic season this year, hitting 46 homers uh, with a 965 OPS as well as 26 steals on the year, and also posting a 318 uh, ERA with a 156 to 44 strikeout to walk ratio over 130 and a third innings with a 9 and 2 record as a two-way player. And actually, uh I mean apart from Babe Ruth, he's probably the Babe Ruth I believe to win the yes. MVP, I would believe, right? Yes. Uh as far as the National League goes, Bryce Harper, he was named the National League Most Valuable Player, uh, receiving 17 first-place votes. Uh, Juan Soto, he finished second with six votes, while Fernando Tatis Jr. was a distant third with two first-place votes. Uh, Brandon Crawford finished right. in fourth. Uh, Crawford finished in fourth with Trey Turner rounding out the top five. Uh, Harper was sensational this year, particularly in the second half. He finished the season with a 309 batting average to go with 35 homers and 42 doubles. Uh, he joins Alex Rodriguez as players who have been drafted first overall to win multiple MVP awards. Uh, according to Shai Davidi of Sportsnet.ca, the Toronto Blue Jays and right-hander Jose Barrios have reportedly agreed to a seven-year, $131 million contract extension. Really? So this new agreement will cover his final year of arbitration and six free agent years, taking him through his age 34 season. Uh, after being acquired from the Twins in July, Berrios posted a 3.52 ERA, uh, along with 204 to 45 strikeout to walk ratio over 192 innings this past season. Uh, so, with the Blue Jays potentially expecting Robbie Ray to potentially leave town they at least can feel secure knowing that uh, Jose Barrios is in the fold for the long term here. Yes. And finally, the Cleveland saga is over as the Cleveland Guardians have repeated or reportedly reached a settlement with Cleveland Guardians, uh, with the Cleveland Guardians roller derby for both organizations to continue using the same name. Uh, Cleveland was supposed to be 
Cleveland was supposed to begin selling merchandise under their new name on Monday, but it was delayed due to the lawsuit. Uh, However, they have found an amicable solution, and now the official switch can be made. I mean, this. I'm sorry. This is just ridiculous. The fact that they it had is. to they had to fight they had to fight with a roller derby team to try and uh, oh god, you know, you know, to try to try and that was my ridiculous time of the week. The name. I mean, it's just so it's just so ridiculous. The fact that they had to. First off, I guess they should have done some research, but. Right. I mean, I, that may be the fir- that may be the first time that we've ever had to see a professional sports team have to deal with a team like a roller derby team. What will we think of next? Honestly, I have no idea. Yeah, there's there's many. Well, Who knows? a little it's more Cleveland. ridiculous than something else I came across today, well, a few days ago, actually, on how they changed the name of the Staples Center to the Crypto Center. So stupid. Really? Yeah. Why, what, did they, did they, lo- did they lose their, uh, did they lose the, uh, the rights uh, to Staples or something? Uh, it, was, it was bought out for uh, $700 gazillion. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense then. Um, crypto Center. Oh, wow. Yeah. The crypto. Yeah, it's only use cryptocurrency now. Oh God. Jeez. Seven a seven hundred million dollar sale. That's right. So wait a minute. Crypto dot com. So yeah. this is basically the com- the company behind the. Uh, I mean. Yeah. I guess I That's guess cryptocurrency is becoming I guess cryptocurrency is becoming such a huge thing. Yeah, that all of a sudden it's now starting to take over endorsements. This is be the one world currency they're talking about. Okay. Yeah, you know like you know how they have Bitcoin and uh right, you know all these other different online currencies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Apparently, I guess this this whole this whole crypto crypto dot com whatever is kind of I don't know some sort of cryptocurrency database. I don't I don't know exactly what it is. Yeah, but it is. Needless to say, it has drawn a lot of negative reaction from uh, not just uh, fans but also players alike. I don't blame him. But hell, you know, I guess uh, you know this is supposed. This is the house that Kobe. It's known as the house that Kobe built. Right. And yet, and yet, it's now being changed. It'll no. It'll no longer be known as the Staples Center. I just. I. I on honestly, I. I do not know what to say about this because it is. It's so stupid. Yeah, you know, it the is. Staples Center, the Staples Center has been known for quite some time as being called the Staples Center. 
Yeah. And now now fans are going to have to call it Crypto.com Arena. This Crypto Center, I don't know about Crypto.com, but still. Well, no, it's the official name is going to be Crypto.com Arena, apparently. God, that's even, that's even worse. Yeah, that's even worse. Uh, this has gone final, by the way. Uh, Utah, 38-7 to over Oregon. So, uh, needless to say, Oregon, I don't even think you're going to be in the top five starting on starting I on, uh, Tuesday. What was that, Lou? I don't think so. No. Yeah, no. It's 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 kind of embarrassing, honestly, for uh, for Utah to, or uh, not for Utah, for uh, for Oregon to fall uh, like they have uh, like they have here tonight. Right. Uh, and it's actually it's Utah's third win all time against a top five opponent. Oh, wow, that's what they just showed on the broadcast. The third win all time for the Utah Utes in football against the top five opponent. Oh my God. Uh, I'm looking, you know, I'm looking up further into this uh, crypto.com thing. And apparently he has quite a messy past. Uh, The CEO Uh and co-founder of crypto, the CEO and co-founder of crypto.com is Chris Marzalek. Uh, and reportedly, uh, according to uh, people who have done some digging, uh, which, by the way, his his company is reportedly based in Hong Kong. Uh, he left. He reportedly left his last job amid accusations from customers and business partners that they had been ripped off. Uh, the Australia-based company, a highly a publicly traded discount website called Ensogo, offered online deals comparable to Groupon. It abruptly shattered its operations in Southeast Asia back in June of 2016, just as Marzalik stepped out the door to join Crypto.com. According to, to a report by the Hong Kong newspaper The Standard, Published the day after he resigned, buyers and sellers on Insogo's platform were blindsided by the shutdown and left with hundreds of thousands of dollars in losses. A number of merchants, a number of merchants reportedly told police that they had been defrauded. One business right. owner told the Standard that she was owed two months of payments from B Crazy, which was an Insogo subsidiary that Marzalek had founded. She claimed the platform had issued promotions to boost its revenue just before shutting down, deals that were then left worthless. Uh, it says in a statement, she said, it seems to us they, that they wanted to make huge business from us one last time. Uh, the Thai press, wait a minute. The Thai press, meanwhile, reported that Insogo executives would be summoned as part of an inquiry, inquiry, uh, inquiry into whether it had been involved with fraudulent activities. Now, it's not clear what ultimately became of the investigation or whether customers were eventually made whole. 
the collapse basically juxtaposed earlier messaging from the company as Ensogo had announced in April of 2016 that it was taking its marketplace app global after seeing strong traction in its operations. The company also said it had laid off more than half of its workforce during the previous several months in order to reduce overhead. Uh, by August of that year, as the outrage persisted, and Sogo said that it was moving to formally liquidate most of the subsidiaries that operated flash deals and marketplaces in Southeast Asia. And Sogo added in its 2016 annual report that its financial troubles cast significant doubt on the company's ability to continue as a going concern. In the end, Hong Kong police, as just one investigative body, said they received more than 300 complaints involving nearly $1 million in lost payments between June and August of 2016. But they had determined no crime had been committed. Now, it's not known, of course, if it was $1 million American dollars or if it was in yen or uh, whatever. Mm. I think it's yen uh, over, yep. in, uh, over in China. Um, yes. Well, it's Japanese. But it's... Yeah, or, okay, it was in, in Japan then. Um, why did I think it was China? Yeah, no, Hong Kong, Japan. Uh, wait, no, Hong Kong is in China, isn't it? Uh, yes. Okay, so they they must use the same, uh, they must use the same currency then. But uh, regardless, you know, it's, not known whether whether the million was in American dollars or yen or whatnot, uh, but still it, was, it had been determined that no crime had been committed. Uh, they advised complainants to reportedly seek chargebacks from their banks if they had made purchases using a credit card. Uh, after the story published, a spokesperson for Crypto.com sent a statement on Marzalik's behalf that read in part, in mid-2016, the, the board decided to shut down in Sogo against Chris's wishes and advice. Did, did you say something, Lou? No. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought I'd heard. That might have been, that might have been actually over, uh, uh, what's it called, um, the blog talk radio person saying something in my ear. Um like they give a they give us basically like a uh, a warning when there's like so many seconds left in the uh, live. No, I just, had catch, I just had to catch my breath for a second, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Chris reportedly did not hold a board seat and held a low single-digit uh, percentage stake in the business at the time. He had resigned in response. to in response to the proposed shutdown. The shutdown angered many customers and consumers, one of the reasons Chris was opposed to the decision. There was never a finding of wrongdoing under Chris's leadership. Uh, But in any event, as the dust settled, he was already at Crypto.com, and business had quickly boomed, as they now have more than 10 million customers and operates the world's fastest growing crypto app. Uh, they also have another yeah. a, a number of growing uh, of, of revenue streams, including a currency exchange, a digital wallet, and an NFT platform. Basically, combining virtually every crypto buzzword into one consolidated business. Uh, 
however, his track record remains important context for Crypto.com's customers and partners, such as the Staples Center, for example. Uh, as According to a professor of corporate governance at the University of Delaware, he states that anyone who blows themselves up is a risk. The risk is it happens again. The question is, do you have the ability to avoid it? Was it really your fault the first time, or was it a character trait? Uh, so at least for the moment, his investors are likely happy, as according to an interview with the L.A. Times on Tuesday night, Marzalik said that the company's revenue has exploded more than 2,000% over the past 12 months, but he wouldn't go into any details. Right. Uh so Crypto.com reached the 20-year agreement with AEG, which is the live events company that owns the arena. Uh, AEG, mm-hmm. in turn, is owned by the billionaire Philip Anschutz. So it looks like this is a 20-year deal for uh, Los Angeles for the, mm-hmm. instead, of the, instead of the Staples Center. It'll be uh, the Crypto.com arena. Wow, I'll be an old man by then. As he said that uh, he hopes to make Crypto.com a top 20 brand in the next three to five years alongside names like Nike or Apple. Yeah, yeah right. Uh However, though, online forums do feature hundreds of complaints from Crypto.com users about intransparent and high fees, uh, though that grievance is leveled at virtually every other trading platform, too. Uh, So basically, it seems like uh, the people that owned the Staples Center, they believe in this whole crypto bullshit or whatnot, and they believe that it's going to take off, and they're they're basically trying to get in on the ground floor before it really takes off is essentially what I'm getting from this here. Yeah. I, what, what is it? What is your take on it, Lou? It's completely ridiculous. It's so, it's so stupid. I mean, really the crypto, I mean, it, it is, it is kind of odd seeing an arena that we have known for quite some time go from being the Staples Center to now all of a sudden being the Crypto.com arena. I mean, this, yeah, I mean, this shit thinks. I mean, this is kind of like this is kind of like the Fleet Center in Boston being renamed the TD Garden out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. Although the difference is the TD Garden, you know, they we're already an established bank, a uh, bank corporation, you know, TD bank. Correct. Or TD Ameritrade, whatever, whatever the hell it is. Uh, they right. were already an established, uh, an established company for many, many years. So, you know, just crypto.com, it just seems out of nowhere because before you even told me this story, Lou, I wouldn't have even known about a crypto.com. Ever. Right. So the fact that you literally just told me this story, uh, this is literally the first time I've ever heard of the company. It's been around for a while. I mean, everybody's trying to buy into this 
in this scam, which is really all it is. People are gullible, so they'll they'll do anything. But how? I mean, you know, they really expect to get up to the level of Bitcoin, for example. I mean, I just and they think that they're idiots. I just don't see them getting up to that level. No. I just don't. Not with how, um, you know, not with with uh, how uh, cryptocurrency has risen uh, in recent years. But, you know, since we're on the topic of the Lakers, considering the Lakers do play at Staples Center, what are your thoughts on – LA's subpar season so far with their big three uh, ever since getting Russell Westbrook. Yeah, it hasn't gone the way it's planned. I mean, we might have to give a little bit of a doubt with LeBron because he was out, you know, with his injury. But, you know, this team was not really coming together, even uh, with the arrival of Westbrook. I mean, they were looking to be the next big three and just roll right over everybody. But it's anything but that. Yeah, I don't think, though, it's time to panic. I mean, yeah, they're below 500, but, you know, it's only 8-9. and nine. It's not like they're in that uh, season where Kobe retired when they were 10-72 uh, or whatever. So uh, I don't think we're going to, you know, they're going to hit that low. I don't think it's going to be that bad. But they do need to, you know, uh, pass the ball better. Or they need to come together. They're, 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 they're so out of sync right now. They're one yeah. of the early favorites to uh, win the to, uh win the championship, which I didn't think was, you know, really a possible um, right now. I mean, they just came off it two years ago, and whatnot, so I think it's pushing in a bit. But this is not what I expected uh, the Lakers to be like this this year, you know, eight and nine. Well, it could be a lot worse, but they're, they're not on all cylinders right now. And they just got blown out by the Boston Celtics last night, too. Yes. I mean, it's they looked so bad that Boston literally made fun of the Lakers paying Russell Westbrook $44 million by putting it right next to Dennis Schroeder, uh, who was named the player of the game that night uh, with 21 points, uh, yeah. basically making fun, of the, making fun of the fact that the Lakers wouldn't give Schroeder the money that he wanted uh, in a uh, contract extension. So they decided to basically let him test the free agent market, and Boston basically got him on the very cheap. Yeah, I'll tell you right. I'll tell you right now. If they still had Schroeder, they would probably be in a little bit of a better spot, at least. Because I, I think, think so, what yeah. they're really, I think what they're they're missing is they're missing the depth. I mean, yeah, they got Malik Monk and they got Rajon Rondo. Uh, you know, oh, like that's enough. You, you, you take, yeah, right. You, you take a look. You take a look at their bench. They got Carmelo Anthony, Malik Monk, Rajon Rondo, Wayne Ellington, Dwight Howard, Kent Bazemore. But you know, the big problem is um, Melo has always been about himself. I mean, that's obvious. Rondo in recent years has been about himself. And he's been a more of a streaky type of player off the bench. Monk is still serviceable, uh, but you know they're missing somebody who can 
who can not just hit threes but also distribute the ball around. And that's what they had with Schroeder. So, you know, and and also, I mean, Schroeder would be an upgrade over Avery Bradley at at shooting guard. I'm sorry. Oh yeah. But they have a they have Avery Bradley as their starting shooting guard. Uh, he, yeah. it you know the last time he was the last time he was a starter was I believe when he was with Boston. He's he's not a starter anymore. He's if anything he's a bench player. I don't see why they have him in the starting lineup now all of a sudden. Hell, I would consider Carmelo Anthony a starter before I would consider uh, Avery Bradley a starter. It just, no. You know, that right there, if they had Schroeder still, that would be an easy upgrade for that uh for that Lakers team, but yeah. they're currently on a three-game. They're currently on a three-game losing streak. Uh, you know, obviously, there's still there's still a whole bu- a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of time going on into the season. You know, but it's not good when you have three star players like LeBron James. Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook, and you can you can't beat the Boston Celtics, who had literally only one star. They had Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown wasn't even right. playing. And it seems like ever since Russell Westbrook joined LA, he's no longer the Russell Westbrook that would that would get triple doubles every single no, game. No, he's not. Matter of fact, I don't. I don't think he's even gotten one once this season yet. Yeah. I mean, hell, last night he had twelve points. Uh, actually, let me look. Yeah, Anthony Davis. He led the. He led the way for LA with thirty-one points. Uh, LeBron James had twenty-three. Uh, it. And granted, maybe it has something to do with LeBron's age, but, you know, LeBron, he just doesn't seem to be the same type of player that he used to be. You know, the the LeBron that would take control of games, he would take over games. Yes. And these last two seasons, we just haven't seen it from him. And, you know, you kind of have to take – the, you, you kind of have to question uh, the NBA title that the Lakers won too, because many would argue it's it's a uh, it's a stained championship because it took place during the COVID era, right. you know, where certain players where certain players decided to sit out because of COVID. So. You know, a right. lot of people believe that a lot of people believe that that title is illegitimate because it wasn't a full NFL season. Well, you could say the same thing about Major League Baseball. Could yes, you could say the same thing about about the Dodgers uh, winning the World Series during uh, during the COVID. Just, you year. know, so you know because they were all because we we're all affected by it. 
yeah. and say that, you know, one sport, you know, wasn't more real than the other, you know, I you know, I can't I can't buy that. Everybody suffered from it, but it's nobody's fault. Yeah, it's it's very it's very hard to comprehend actually when yeah. you know I mean, I could kind of understand maybe maybe people would have a problem with Major League Baseball considering they ha- instead of 162 games, it was what forty? How many how many games was it? Forty or sixty or something? Sixty, sixty. So yeah, you know, I could see people world. having a problem. I could see people having a problem with that, but yeah. I mean, the NBA they had they had pretty close to a full NBA season. And they I think more than at most. Too. Yeah, I think at most they 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 chopped off what ten games I think off of the. Uh, well, it was a ten. ten. Yeah, it was a seventy game season. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought it was a seventy game season, so seventy or seventy two right. games. So, uh, you know, it wasn't really that much of a deviation from the no. from a regular NBA season. So. You know, I, I don't see why people are – they're calling it the Mickey Mouse season because it took place at Disney, at Disney World, right. uh, instead of instead of in front of uh, regular fans. Right. That's not play more than baseball. But, yeah. yeah. But you know, looking at the looking at the current looking at looking at the current landscape of the NBA right now, though, uh, specifically in the West, hello Golden State, fourteen and two. Surprising, surprising, and just wait till and just wait till Clay comes back. Yeah, exactly. Just wait. You think you think Golden State is scary right now? Just wait until Clay Thompson comes back. You got it. Clay Thompson comes back, uh, you're probably looking at Golden State as one of the front runners, if not the oh, front runner for a title this year. Um, Phoenix, you know, they're on an 11 game winning streak right now. Uh, they're at 12 and three. They're in the second spot in the West. You know, they got off to a slow start, but they've picked things back up uh, from where they left off. Uh, the Utah Jazz, they're in third at 10-5. and five. The Dallas Mavericks are in fourth at 9-6. and six. You got Denver and L.A. both in the five and six spots at 9-7. and seven. Uh, In the play-in tournament, you got the Portland Trailblazers, the Memphis Grizzlies, both at 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, The L.A. Lakers are at 8-9, and nine, and the Minnesota Timberwolves are at 7-9. and nine. And from from there on, it gets worse uh, with Oklahoma City and Sacramento both at six and ten. San Antonio is at four and eleven. So I'm kind of wondering if maybe Popovich may be retiring soon. Uh, yeah, you got the New Orleans, you got the New Orleans Pelicans at three and fifteen, and you got the Houston Rockets at a lonely one and fifteen on a fourteen game losing streak. So, needless to say, uh, the Western Conference, not nearly as competitive as it used to be. Um, In the Eastern Conference, though, you got the Brooklyn Nets. They've taken over first place. 
after Philadelphia. Uh, apparently, the Ben Simmons saga has done a lot more damage than people thought it would. Uh, the Washington Wizards and Chicago Bulls are tied for second at 11-5. and five. Uh, The Miami Heat are in fourth at 11-6. The New York Knicks are tied with the Philadelphia 76ers at 9-7, but uh, because of head-to-head matchups, the Knicks are in the fifth spot with Philadelphia in the sixth. Uh, In the seventh spot, currently the play-in tournament, you have the Charlotte Hornets at 10-8. You got the Boston Celtics at 9-8. Tied in a three-way tie with the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, now Cleveland, they got off to a strong start this year, but I think they're finally starting to see the injury bug catch up to them because Colin Sexton, he's out for the year uh, with a torn ACL. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Love, he's been injured recently, as has uh, right. Lori Markinen. Uh so, needless to say, I think Cleveland is starting to come further down to earth now. Uh, they're coming back down to earth yes. compared to where they were at in uh, recent weeks. And Milwaukee, I'm most surprised at Milwaukee. How the hell do you keep that roster together and yet you're 9-8? and eight? Yeah. I mean, is it a championship hangover, or or what the hell is going on in Milwaukee? Yeah, it seems to be that way. That's not surprising, championship hangover. A lot of teams get it. So it is then on, the, on the outside looking in, you have the Atlanta Hawks and Toronto Raptors, both at 8 and 9. Uh, they're practically on the cusp of potentially breaking into the play-in tournament. Uh, the Pacers, they're starting to fall fall uh, behind at seven and eleven. Uh, the Pistons, they're well out of there at four and eleven, and the Orlando Magic are at four and thirteen. So, needless to say, it seems like the Eastern Conference is a lot more competitive uh, compared yes. to recent years. It looks like it should be able to be that way. Yeah. But I'm I'm probably the most surprised though by the uh, the Washington Wizards and Chicago Bulls because you know the Wizards they were practically uh, they were a borderline uh, play-in tournament team last year and yes. Chicago Chicago didn't even make the play-in tournament but. You know they added they added Lonzo Ball in free agency, and all of a sudden, apparently, it worked because yes. Chicago. You know they're one of the top teams in the league right now. Uh, let me see. I'm pretty sure I had something. And actually, no, it wasn't a torn ACL. It was a torn meniscus that Colin Sexton had. So. Uh, he is officially out for the rest of the season. So that now means that Ricky Rubio and Darius Garland uh, will be the starting front court uh, or the starting back court now uh, for the rest of the season for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, let's see. 
Oh, you know what? I forgot some uh, some things in Major League Baseball. Um, Randy Arozarena, he was named the Rookie of the Year for the American yeah. League this year, receiving 22 of 30 first-place votes uh, to easily beat out the Astros' Luis Garcia and teammate Vander Franco. Uh, also getting first-place votes were Garcia, Franco, uh Adelise Garcia, as well as Emmanuel Clace, they all got first place votes. Uh, but Arena received 22 of the 30 first place votes that were cast. Um, A lot of people think Tatis should have got the vote. For for Rookie of the Year? No, no, no. Uh, for, uh, for like uh, MVP. MVP. Yeah, you know, I was kind of surprised. I was, I was uh-huh. kind of surprised that uh, uh, you know that that Bryce Harper would get it because he never really yeah. seemed to be in the spotlight at all in Philly. No, he didn't. And actually, looking at Tatis' stats, he looks like he has better stats compared to uh, compared yeah. to Harper. So, you know, it's kind of surprising that the Harper somehow uh, somehow took. I mean, from my understanding is Tatis finished in fourth. I think it was in voting. Hmm. Now, obviously, the voting is done by the Baseball Writers of America. So, uh, yeah, it's a screwed up bunch. Yeah, needless to say. Uh, Jonathan, India, Jonathan India was named the National League Rookie of the Year, uh, receiving 29 of 30 first-place votes. Uh, Trevor Rogers received the other first-place vote, and he also beat out Dylan Carlson as well. Uh, this year he batted 269 with 21 homers and 12 stolen bases for the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, from June on, though, he hit 281 uh, for the uh, for the Reds during their during their surge that they found themselves on. Surge, yeah, you yeah, know, you know, their playoff surge before they ultimately yeah, I, I, I know out. what it means, but you know, it was like you know, yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of Vander. Speaking of Vander Franco, uh, the Rays have reportedly made a long-term extension offer to him. Uh, the proposed contract is reportedly for 10 years, and it would be worth anywhere between 150 to 200 million dollars. So you do the math: 15 to 20 million per season. Uh, Nothing is imminent, though, according to Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times, but it does seem that conversations have been had. Uh, Franco is one of the brightest young stars in the sport as he registered a two eighty eight batting average across his first 70 major league games this year at, at the age of 20. Uh, but as it stands right now, though, uh, he is under the Rays' control through the 2027 season without this deal even having been agreed to yet. Uh, 
Um, Let's see, the Colorado Rockies, uh, they have reportedly re-signed uh, catcher Elias Diaz to a three-year, $14.5 million extension. Uh, the deal will reportedly cover his final year of arbitration, and it also buys out two years of free agency. Uh, 31 years old, he appeared in 106 games for the Rockies this year, hitting 18 homers with a 246 batting average. Uh, he should remain the, the starting backstop for the Rockies for the next year or two with this new deal. A couple of trades were also made this week as the Rays acquired shortstop Junior Caminero from the Cleveland Guardians in exchange for right-handed pitcher uh, Tobias Myers. Uh, Caminero represents a long-term lottery ticket for the Rays after hitting 295 with nine homers and two stolen bases in the Dominican Summer League last year. Uh, only 18 years, years old, and he remains basically light years away from ever getting to the majors at this point. Uh, the Oakland Athletics, they acquired uh, right-handed pitcher Brent Honeywell uh, from the Rays in exchange for cash considerations. Honeywell was their top prospect in 2017 before he injured his elbow and missed three full seasons due to rehab and setbacks. Uh, he finally made his major league debut this season, but he did spend most of his time in AAA Durham where he posted a 397 ERA over 81 and two thirds innings this year with 67 strikeouts. Uh, also, the Phillies, they acquired catcher Garrett Stubbs from the Houston Astros in exchange for outfielder Logan Cerny. Uh, the Phillies began yeah. uh, the day at that time with just two catchers in that uh, on their 40-man roster, and now they have four between Stubbs and Donnie Sands. Uh, Stubbs only just hit 176 this season, though, at the major league level, over 34 at-bats, but he did slash a 265 batting average over 113 at-bats in the minor leagues this year. Uh, he was a 10th round pick in the 2021 draft for the Phillies. Uh, Cerny was, that is. Um, and he slashed 200 over 35 at-bats in the low minors this season. So basically a minor, just a, a minor league deal that was made here. Yeah. Um, well, unfortunately, uh, I am going to have to cut tonight's, uh, tonight's podcast short by about 30 minutes. Um, something has just come up on my uh uh, what's it called? Something something on uh, came up on my phone uh, that I have to uh, I have to tend to. Uh, but Lou, uh, thank you for uh, thank you for joining me tonight. Um, my pleasure. Uh, a reminder for uh, for Survivor fans: uh, we will be on the air this Friday in exchange uh, in, instead of Thursday due to the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, so Friday night will be so Friday night will be the uh, the recap podcast for this week. Um, obviously, next Saturday night we will be back uh, for Sports Whispers Weekly. Um, All right. 
But uh, Lou, I hope you. Uh, I, I wish you have a uh, uh, a happy Thanksgiving. And thank you, Steve. Um, enjoy the uh, you know enjoy the Thanksgiving games uh, for uh, for football. And I don't know if they have any college games going on during Thanksgiving. I don't think they do. Thanksgiving uh, Day, no. Thanksgiving on Friday, yes. Yeah, I would assume they probably would after after Thanksgiving. Uh, the but, Friday after. Yeah that that is gonna that is gonna do it for us tonight. Uh, so Lou, thank you for joining me. Uh, we will see you guys next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. Uh, and next Friday night for another di- for another edition of the Survivor 41 Recap Podcast. Uh, everybody have a good rest of your weekend and a good uh, a happy Thanksgiving. And uh, we will see you guys next Saturday night. Right. Good night, everybody.